0: Welcome to the Built On Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, On2Air Backups. On2air Backups provides automated Airtable Backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable Backup system with OntoAir Backups at OntoAir.com. As one customer, Sarah said, Having automated Airtable Backups has freed up hours of my time every other week. And the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OntoAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OntoAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now, let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air.
1: welcome to the built on air podcast we are in season 16 episode 7 good to be back with you we've got a whole gang of uh, regular hosts and guests with us today myself dan fellers camille park back with us and uh jen rudd also joining a regular face with us welcome back jen
2: thank you for having me
3: good
1: to be with you and scott rose our regular fill-in joining us back again welcome again scott
3: Thank you so much. Great to see you guys.
1: Great. We've got another great episode for you. I'll walk through what we're going to be doing. We'll start with our around the bases of keeping you up to date. There was some big news this week that we're going to be talking about. Then we'll give a shout out to Onto Our Backups, our primary sponsor. Then Jen's going to walk through integrating with Calendly. <clears throat> and then uh, Camille's going to walk through the new interface forms that just launched. And then a shout out to join our community. And then Scott Rose is gonna walk us through how to build global fields in the base. So with that, we'll start with the big announcement, new features released. Let's see, what do we got? So we've got uh streamlined customization. So mostly I think everything was in interfaces So they changed the layout of how you edit things um, in the interface. And then they separated, I guess this was the one I'm thinking of, the the navigation from the page properties. So they cleaned up um, that. They redesigned the properties panel, similar uh, enhancement. And then they moved or they added forms into interfaces, which we'll be digging into. Um, they also improved some sharing functionality, company-wide sharing and a few other things. Also a list of coming soon features, thoughts, impressions of the updates this week.
3: You know, my favorite thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Camille. Did I cut you off? No. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite things about this was that they moved the page navigation from the right, where it was hidden, uh, over to the left, where it's uh, where it should be, and where it's also uh, not hidden anymore. Uh, it used to be on the right, and you could only get to it by clicking on a little tiny thing that said all pages, and then it showed up. But now, as you can see in that screenshot you're showing there, it's that white bar on the left. So it's where you would expect it to be and you can hide that panel and um, it's just so much more accessible now. Yeah.
2: I find the page properties a little confusing now because you basically have to click on the list element to change the fields and so forth. So there's a lot more clicking to change the layout of the pages once you've gotten the page added to the navigation, if that makes sense. I feel like it's more clicky to get what you need on a page.
4: I think it depends on what you're clicking on. Because one of the things that they've added was, like in, in this screenshot that they have, they, it's a full page list view. If you wanted to add a field to um, to that list view, you would like between where it says name, and I can't see the name of the other column, but the single select, there'd be a blue plus button in between them and you could just click that and say which field you want to appear there. So you don't have to like dig through a side panel to be like, okay, add a field um, to this particular group or to this particular tab or something. So they've added the ability to click like directly on the canvas to add various different things. And that's nice. Mm -hmm. It's not a hundred percent universal. So where it says creative project slash projects, like the title of the page, I don't think you can click there to rename the projects page. So that's an example of it's not implemented everywhere, but it is, you know, if you wanted to add another button next to add project, you would just click a blue button that would appear there. So I think that's nice. I'm not sold on having the pages sidebar next to the real sidebar that appears in your interface. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could have just used the one that was already there. And like when you're editing unhide the unpublished ones. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, True. It should be merged together as one. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I completely agree with Scott that I'm glad that it's no longer buried um, underneath. Like you couldn't look at the properties of your list view and look at all of your pages at once. But I do think it's a little weird to have two sidebars right next to each That's other. <laughs> yeah. exactly. are, know,
1: they, just, are these clickable? The inner ones? Does it change? Are they? Do they stay in sync? Are they? I
4: don't. Oh, I don't know. I think while you're editing, it will still navigate the page. I I can test that, but I I just remember thinking it just it felt a little like extra to. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it, true. It will navigate you.
3: Oh, it did? You just touched yeah. nice. Nice.
4: I just it's, feel like it could have been one. Yes. Yes. They're
2: oh, getting yeah. closer.
3: They're getting so much closer to making it one. It was on the right and hidden. Now it's on the left. It's so close. The next update, they've got to merge them. Yeah. It's I, funny, by the way, they roll these things out live, these changes. I was actually, this is so funny. I was working with a client live on a Zoom call, building an interface with her. And as she was moving her mouse on the screen, the pages thing jumped from the right to the left. Wow. So the update rolled out while we were doing it. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, especially with, like, I feel like we're always building interfaces with clients nowadays, where you build it in real time to think through their workflow. And it's it's very interesting to see how the things change, especially because, like, on Friday, we talked about it this way. And then on Tuesday, the following week, it's a totally different layout. Like, just forget everything (laughs) I said.
3: It's so true. It's, over here it's so
4: true. Yeah, I do think the the reception to this batch of changes has been largely positive. I, I don't think I've seen anyone, you know, particularly up in arms or even like even negative. Um, I think a lot of it was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Apart from the, the double left hand sidebar you can hide it. So um, where it says pages, and it has the hamburger icon, you can collapse that sidebar. So it is, it's not like it's always there. So on on the whole, I think most people are like, relatively positive for this batch of changes. And the coming soon um, list that was mentioned um, in this post is I think pretty exciting for a lot of people. Um, my two ones, my coworkers are probably sick, of, sick to death of me complaining about there not being a pivot table element. They're going to put one in. Yay.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Support
3: for us Android users. hmm <laughs> And I think a lot of people have been asking for uh, form validations. So it's interesting that they're going to be building some sort of form validation into these interface forms.
4: Yeah. And I do wonder how much um, control we're going to get. The The simple um, validations are like the number can't be more than 50 or the text can't be more than 300 characters. That's simple and easy. But I think a lot of people are looking for validation like... Um, I can already say, don't show me linked records unless my email or my user is tagged to that record. But I think it's the extra step of like, not necessarily tagging me as a person in a collaborator field or using my email anywhere on the record itself, but just saying Camille is only interested in these things. And Scott is only interested in these things globally. Like if you're the CEO, you're not going to assign yourself as the CEO to every record in your base, right? right? Things like that that are like global kind of validation things to check on and all that kind of stuff. So they could go a couple of different ways. I'm expecting at least the, the bare minimum, like the numbers between these ranges types of validations, at least in the first batch.
3: Yeah. Well, you know what you were just talking about? It's very cool. You can do that with the fill-out forms. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is such a cool app. Like, I don't know how it flew under the radar for so long. Or maybe it's maybe it's really new. It's pretty new. It's, yeah. it's new. Oh, uh, okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, I use it a ton now just because it's just very flexible. It'll add new values to drop-downs, things like that, as you add other... So it's pretty cool and plugged in error table. So I want I a form to be able to edit.
4: What was that? Coming? I want a form to be able to edit records, not just create new ones. And now that you know they're kind of moving forms into the interface world, I'm unsure why that is not tackled.
1: I think part of it is their pricing model, right? Because sure. you know, they don't yeah. want to make it easy to edit records without for a subscription
4: you could lock that off if you if you made mm-hmm. a toggle that's like this form only creates records or it edits existing records and you could turn that toggle off if you don't have you know the team's plan or whatever if they really want to go that route fine but like mm-hmm. i want to be able to edit things a little bit more
3: it's crazy because you know, Philo- gives that philip gives that for free you exactly know? Yeah, you can edit up to a 1,000 times a month for free. Yeah. So one thing um, I'll mention before we
1: move on that's not mentioned in here that is new is probably because this is for kind of existing customers, but for new customers, well, actually, I think it's anytime you create... No, I guess it's the new workflow for new users. It walks them. There's a new uh, onboarding flow and it walks you through building an entire app with interfaces and yeah. in it and it just makes it easy to and it automatically create tables based off of what you're trying to do and so some
2: automations nice. too yeah I, i've seen that um i exited out of it because i was in a meeting today but the it does like when you create a new base as a new user it automatically puts you into the app building okay. experience
1: so it is for any new base that you create mm. So that will be interesting. It kind of like, I, especially for new users, I think that's cool. It might be annoying for, for power users, but you can skip Mm -hmm. out of it. You can just start from scratch and start blank. So a couple um, so this is the, this is the thread from the built on air community talking about um, some of the coming soon items and some discussion on there, what they might mean. Um, and we'll talk more about interface forms, what they allow, what they don't allow, but, uh, good discussion there. Uh, next one. So this was kind of a fallout to some of the changes. Um, this was kind of on the downside. Russell points out that, um, it used to be easier to, to create a new field from the interfaces. And at first, Russell thought that they removed it completely, but it got buried into the the plus,
3: um, kind of the dot, dot, dot section. Oh, yeah. I was looking for that. There it is. Yeah.
4: There. Yeah. I think the oh, problem um, is if you have a lot of fields or if you have multiple uh, uh, groups on your page, that ad field that we're seeing in this screenshot is so far down, you don't see it. Um, it might be helpful for that to appear at the bottom of each group. So then it's it's more surface, but you can, like I was saying before, click directly on the page in the interface and it you'll be able to pick from existing fields or create a new one from there. So it's still present, but it is more buried.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're used to doing things, things are going to move. Hopefully they start to, you know, firm up where there isn't,
3: And the changes going on. Oh, you know what? I was gonna tell Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was gonna tell Camille earlier when you were talking about the two different vertical, you know, navigation panes on the left. Yeah. Um, it was so funny the other day. I was I wanted to duplicate a page and I was hovering over the name of the page. I was like, where the the duplicate function is gone? Where do they put it? And I was on the blue and not the white.
4: Mm -hmm. See? (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to, just use the one you already have.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. yeah. Use the, the muscle memory.
2: The muscle memory that's the hardest. It's like, I usually do it this way and voila. And now it's like, oh, I got to figure out where that is mm-hmm. now. So I can't, can't do it yep. as fast.
4: And yep. it, as is the nature with Airtable, they'll add features in one place that used to be over here. And sometimes like a one feature just sort of slips through the cracks and it, it doesn't migrate for whatever reason. Um, it's it's my favorite example, but button fields don't have uh, access to the color teal everywhere else in the platform. It's terrible, <laughs> except for button fields, because it just it slipped through the cracks, I guess. <laughs> we need teal buttons, period. I yeah. And the story. I won't stop until it's
3: resolved, Scott. <laughs> I, I'm behind you, Camille. You have my complete blessing on this. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, moving on, here's a different different topic. Um, So this is from the Reddit community, talking about Gantt charts and why they don't do this simple trick. Um, So basically, frustrating simple change could drastically improve Gantt chart usability. So to kind of give a sense of what they're talking about, In this image, this is what it looks like in Airtable. So these two items are only like an hour apart, Mm -hmm. but it looks like they're a day apart. Mm. Um, And so that's how it just layers things. And it gives a good um, example of what it looks like in a different Gantt tool, where it just layers them on top of each other if they're the same day. Mm-hmm. So he's like, why doesn't Airtable do it this way?
3: Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. It makes sense a, to me.
3: Yeah, that's a great point.
4: I don't know if it's true, but I feel like Airtable gave up on the Gantt chart. They, <laughs> they've been, like, really gung-ho about the timeline view, which is pretty useful. I used it a lot, but Gantt view was never... Um, you know, implemented in interfaces, whereas basically every other view was. Um, and I think some features that started off in Gantt view were added to both versions of the, inter, uh, the timeline uh, view and interface page type, but they haven't touched the Gantt view that I've noticed in well over a year. And so either they're quietly working on improvements to Gantt chart, um, which will make its way into interfaces, probably, or they'll never look at it again. But if you look at the um, interface updates announcement post, the coming soon, Want a couple of the things that they said they were working on, it's at the bottom and they're coming soon. Task management improvements and resource allocation modules. I feel like resource allocation module feels timeline related and task management improvements feels Gantt. And mm. if it's time for yet another uh, characteristically bad prediction from myself, let's just say, hey, maybe they'll they will add Gantt-like functionality. Um, <laughs> But yeah. We, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah. The
2: Gantt like, chart functionality of resolving um, discrepancies is not in timeline. It just visually lets <laughs> you see the overlap and doesn't show you the dependencies properly right. or like resolve the inaccuracies. Mm-hmm.
4: Or even having dedicated um, swim lanes, if you will, mm-hmm. where each record is its own rather than like stacking. Um, so it's not a one to one, although some features are present in both. it It isn't. A perfect, you know, replacement. So I, I agree with that user that that would be very useful for um, things that happen right next to each other in time.
1: Bill French, welcome. Watching said, I warned them about data visualization back in 2018. It will never make customers happy because data visualization satisfaction for all customers is unachievable.
4: It certainly is. <laughs> I think they, they, they could try. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
3: You know, I hate to always push people towards these third party solutions, but Dan, if you go in our private chat there, there's a link to the no loco interfaces and their Gantt charts, I believe do the stacking properly, but that is a paid external add-on, you know, you, you're you leaving the Airtable, you know, app, yeah. to switch to a different app. Yeah. But,
4: but it, it, it's always good to look at how other platforms are doing these kind of uh, data visualization stuff because Airtable is not Tableau, right? You're not going to ever get advanced charts and like deep, meaningful reporting out of it without tearing your hair out. But the little stuff, you know, Airtable nor nor NoLoco invented the Gantt chart. It's just <laughs> learn from each other on what's the best way to, you know, improve it. And make little tweaks over time because they've heavily invested in timeline, but no other view has really gotten that same kind of attention except for forms now, I guess.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm That's why I keep pushing for embeddable extensions where people can create their own custom extension with the data and then you can create your own Gantt chart that does exactly what you want. Yep. Yep. Hopefully someday. All right. One more is from the built on air community. Uh, Ben Bailey starts a thread about write Once read many and um, talking about the need for something where you can edit a field just one time and then lock it in at that point so that it's not changeable afterwards and Mm -hmm. kind of the pros and cons of, of um, different approaches to that and what works and what doesn't. So kind of asking for, maybe best practices on how to deal with that. Comments there.
2: There is yeah. a new. Go ahead. And I was just going to say there's another thing that came up just very recently. I just found or someone posted in the Slack channel too.
3: Go. Yeah, it's interesting. So a lot of these features that we've been talking about today, like the validations coming to forms and, you know, will the and how complex will those be? other then this re, uh, write once read many. It's funny, because I come from a database background with FileMaker very, very advanced platform that had all these features built in. So it's interesting to see Airtable slowly starting to add these features in to get it more and more advanced, it would be nice for them to be able to have this capability, because I could see how that would be very useful in many cases. Yeah, but they are inching along, you know, with more and more advanced features slowly over time. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, put one more on the list. We can add it to the uh, table forums list of feature requests. Ah, yes. <laughs> All right, last item, interface add-ons. So this is from a screenshot of the newsletter that Airtable sends out. And let me bring up this picture. <sighs> and it has these add-ons options oh, no. asset production speculation camille make another prediction what are I've
4: <laughs> time to shine baby <laughs> um, if we all recall airtable announced apps by airtable which is effectively like more thorough templates i guess my guess is that that's what those add-ons are just because they seem very specific um they're automations, what? they're
2: predictive automations.
4: Ah, well, there you go.
1: But it's probably like a collection of an automation plus. Yeah. Cause it asks you when you build the
2: app, like how to do like what you're trying to do and it's like, what use case. And then also like, do you want to send updates to something? So they basically build the automation and pre-fill the fields for you.
1: Yeah, based on I what I saw yesterday.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. So the so it's probably it's basically a yeah a collection of tables, fields, automation, mm-hmm. interface elements. Yeah.
4: So, so a a a plug and play template that's modified by user input.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it like asks you what you're trying to accomplish. And then like are, are you some of these kinds of updates or doing this kind of data cleaning? Yeah. If so, it'll turn those on for you. All
4: right.
3: Interesting. The
1: hope was that it could be uh um extensions but yep. it doesn't do it's yeah. that
4: i i understand why the option is placed there um because they're they're pushing hard for interfaces right is the way in which people interact with your Airtable. and so putting the add on option there is kind of like all right now add the part where you're Um, collecting user input somewhere in the app that you're building but yeah the from its placement it does kind of lead one to believe oh "Oh, maybe they're adding extensions um because it's separated out like that so i'm sure it's going to disappoint a lot of people
1: yeah Mm mm-hmm this also to our original discussion this also is an argument to having two sidebars because you have pages here add-ons forms Mm -hmm. all on this sidebar
4: Mm. i will say that does make more sense uh because in in the in the interface i was building when i first saw that this change i didn't have any forms nor did i have any add-ons so i was just like why do i have two (laughs) what's up with that this this does make more sense yeah, yeah. Well,
1: that uh, concludes our round the bases and everything going on. So exciting new um, updates. I also think the, these updates kind of lay a foundation for, for more to come. So excited to see what else they, they add on. Quick shout out to Onto Air If you are using Airtable for any serious business use case, Best practice is to make sure that your data is backed up in more than one place outside of Airtable. That's where OntoAir comes in to make sure your data is secure and backed up to your cloud Um, data provider. We support Google, Box, and Dropbox, and we back up your data, your attachments, and soon your your meta information as well. So check us out at ontoair.com. With that, Calendly, Jen's gonna do some integration work with us. There
2: you go. Uh, I did want to show before we went into Calendly, there's a cool new option.
1: Change oh yeah, primary we, field. Change I, primary field. Yeah, yeah, I that's think, been. There I can't a few remember. if we covered that?
2: Did you cover it last week? I don't. I saw someone posted it in Slack. <laughs> that was very. I think excited. it.
1: I think it's been. That's been around for a month, maybe.
2: Okay. That makes uh, sense because now you in the interfaces you can hide the primary fields and lists yes, and so forth. So that would be yeah, fun. Yeah.
3: Okay, yeah, sounds or, low to
2: the
4: party.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Well,
4: you how often are you reconfiguring your primary field though? So uh, I, a lot of people just didn't it's, or, or watching it.
3: the
1: built on air podcast. Yeah,
2: yeah you know. <laughs> I try to listen on it in the background. It doesn't matter. You're, good, good. So. you're good. And, <laughs> Speaking of things that are probably gonna go away eventually, we're, we're talking about using extensions in the data set today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> I I am trying as much as possible to get rid of third parties so Zapier and Make. Obviously there's sometimes when you wanna use Make and Zapier, but for the most part, I'm trying to figure out ways to dump these third party tools for very specific use cases. So like right now my Zapier does two things. It pulls new Zoom links for me, and it marks when I have um, Calendly um, discovery calls in my Airtable table base. So I'm down to one thing left in Zapier. So what I did was I figured out how to get information from Calendly when someone books a call or even cancels a call. And I found out that you can actually subscribe to webhooks in Calendly. So a subscription to webhook is just basically understanding, um, having a, a th- another tool to send information to a webhook to, um, hi Erica, uh, so send information to a webhook um, which you can then process an Airtable. So Airtable, one of the triggers is a webhook. So basically the Calendly can send an information to a URL which will you can then process an Airtable for very, very specific non-development speak. So in Calendly, in order to get this webhook to send information, you have to register the webhook. And you would think it'd be straightforward. You just go into Calendly and put your webhook doesn't like that. You have to send it through the API. So the first thing you have to do in Calendly is get an API key. So just like in Airtable, um, Calendly has personal access tokens, which are specifically scoped to send information. So it gives you a 75 um, character uh, personal access token, which you use. Then Calendly, instead of once you give it the um, personal access token, you're using that to figure out what the organizational ID of your Calendly account is, because you need that to send information to, to Calendly to say, for this account in Calendly, which is not like your Grow with Jen or Red Consulting ID, it's like some another weird string. You have to um, send that string and the webhook that you want information to, to Calendly and say, for this organization, send information to this exact. Um, Webhook so that we can process the information. So basically I have a script in Airtable and the scripting app, which says basically to first go get your webhook ID, um, your your personal access token. And then the next piece is to go to Calendly and say, tell me what this personal access token's organization is. And so once you put that information in it returns the organization, then you can process that as well as the webhook that you want to send information to in Airtable. So that's basically what this code does. And then, so I have an automation that I built in Airtable, which basically says, when a webhook from Calendly is received, go find that um, person in my CRM, because essentially you would think, most of the time people come through a lead capture form when they book in Calendly and they come back and we update their information in um, Airtable to say that they booked the discovery call. And if they don't exist yet, um in the crm then we create a record for them and put the discovery call date if they haven't if they already exist then we go and update and then we also process information because cal and me we subscribing to both new um new events books and also cancelled events because we want to make sure that we have a way to follow up with them if they don't end up um making the discovery call so
4: with that so- up here so the first script registers your webhook with Calendly and then the automation is like now that it's been registered, each time someone schedules an appointment or cancels, update that information in Airtable.
2: Exactly. So the first piece we're just doing it one time. So we're doing it in the extension block because mm-hmm. it's not a consistent thing. And then, yes, once, once that's a webhook subscription is set up, then we have the Airtable automation to process those bookings. So what it looks like basically is we're gonna grab this webhook ID and I'm gonna save it over here. Along, I already pulled my personal access token. So this really simple script. you run it, you put in your personal access token, you could see it's ridiculously long. And then here's the first response, which returns the ID for the organization, which is this string here. So we have to pass that as well as the webhook into Calendly to register the webhook. If this isn't information that you can find on the back end of Calendly, you have to send in your personal access token to get that information. And then I just have an automation, and the trigger is the webhook. And so I grab this webhook. And I'm gonna have to run it again. This is why I save it too. Uh, control C. Live demos are always fun, <laughs> but I saw I test I tested it, it worked this morning, um, and so basically it says that the webhook subscription actually works. We can test it by making the booking, but I wanted to show you more how the data comes in. So when the webhook is received, here's the body. And so you can just dig through the payload to see how the information comes in. So like, even if I was to give you this space, you couldn't copy all, all the automation. So you have to kind of like rebuild the automation. So it's really understanding like the status is canceled. So we would wanna make sure that we process the cancels differently than the books and so forth. And then also you figure out like the questions and answers. So if we ask questions, in the Calendly booking and then also picking up the start date and end date and so forth and we can also pick the name of the Calendly appointment so you can sort of process and do different workflows based on what information is coming but you see once that webhook well is registered you get a ton of information about every single booking or cancellation in Calendly which is a little bit different than what Zapier does it kind of gives you like maybe 10 or 15 maybe 10 different points where this gives you like all the information so it was cool. It took a while to get the fact that you had to get the organization first and then pass through that information. Because I try to just put in like girl with jen" and it's like I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, working through mm-hmm. scripts in general is kind of interesting to see both like how other tools want the information and then how to pass it through in a way that makes sense without asking the user to put a ton of information in the interface of the script. Very cool. I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Useful way to connect directly with uh, Calendly.
2: <clears throat> now we're just down to zoom and I'm sure I can figure that one out too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jen, for sharing that. And, um, cool to see i like seeing your evolution of getting into the scripting world and uh we're gonna get scott there next
3: Am I the last one ben ben green is, no. on, the, is on the zoom yeah we will, we'll, never we'll, never <laughs>
4: we'll never get him we'll never
3: get him i'm close i'm on the fence i might be coming over to scripting soon It's uh,
2: so like after it's like how do we do this without a third party tool like is there any mm-hmm. way that we can do this like that's yeah. the first question it's like if i have to go to make because like we're clicking links and buttons and in, in emails and stuff like that fine but like i want to do everything outside of third party tools
3: yeah yeah you know what's interesting it's funny you bring up the third party tools ben green on tableforms.com posted a very complex calendly solution but it uses make though yes. yeah so you would you would not approve but it's a very <laughs> complex calendly calendly solution that he came up with yeah very cool.
1: All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to learn about the new interface forms with Camille. There you go.
4: Okay, so um, right now I'm showing a simple um, regular form view in Airtable. Um, I'm just going to highlight the features that are present um, if you're on, you know, at least the team's plan Um and just point out that there is a button that says upgrade to new forms. I think the word upgrade has scared a couple people. Um, it's not upgrading your like billing level. Um, it's basically saying, do you want to recreate this form in the new interface environment? So it, you know th- that's the only thing. It's not, it's not gonna charge you more to use that feature if you if you see this in the top right. But form views let you have a background image and then an icon, a description and a title. Each of the fields can have helper text, which is separate from the field descriptions. Um, You can hide fields from the form entirely. You can conditionally hide uh, fields if uh, conditions are met for any uh, field that appears above it in the form. Um, And you can make certain fields required. For things like um, select choices, you can do them as drop downs or lists, you can limit specific options. And um, it's the same with linked records as well, you can say only show from a particular view. And then lastly, at the bottom, if you turn this option on, see who submitted a response to the form. Um, it's not new. I wish they would get rid of this It's been there for forever. Um, it basically means you have to log in to Airtable in order to uh, submit the form and it will fill in a created by field um, with whomever filled in the form. So rather than created by saying anonymous, it would say Camille Parks. Um, And then um, this is an option if you want to send a a copy of everyone's responses back to them after the form is submitted. If you're on Teams and above, you can remove the Airtable logo and you can redirect somebody to a URL after the record has been submitted. And you can pre-fill whatever URL you provide with the record ID. So in this case, I'm using an interface that will jump to that record that we just submitted. Um, All of that is sort of old. Um, here's what it would look like in the actual form itself, but let's talk about interface forms. One, um, I'm seeing this extra stuff at the top. You know, if I flip back and forth, um, you'll notice some slight difference vi- uh, visually. One, the icon is way smaller. This is the same image. Um, I don't know, I just thought that was funny. Uh, But I'm seeing these extra things on top because I am logged in. Um, If I was not logged in and if I didn't have this option enabled that was requiring me to log in, um, none of this stuff up here would be uh, present. So just as a reminder, um, but it does follow regular interface detail page um, options visually. And by that, I mean, if you uh, watched our episode a couple of weeks ago when we went over some of the updates to the detail pages in Airtable interfaces, there are some things that they added like, um, groups as well as having uh, a light gray background for certain groups and then being able to mix and match the width of rec- um, of fields within a, a group row and into the specifics of what you can control. Um, for the function of the form. A lot of it is similar, but there is one key difference. This is the thing I was mentioning earlier in the episode, by the way, being able to click directly on the page somewhere and saying, I want to add a new field Mm -hmm. and it's this one, or I want to add a completely new field. I would click that. Um, But In addition to just sort of rearranging things on the page, um, like I would in a detailed page, it's something I'll point out for conditional visibility. Um, You can still do that in interface forms. However, it works slightly differently because things aren't always vertical. Um, In this case, I've selected developer. Airtable considers developer name, development name, address, and architect as fields that come before developer. So, if I were to say choose um, some filters for visibility, those are the only three options I can select. So, um, just so everyone's aware, what. Count as something you could use a con- as a condition for the other fields on the form. It must be either above it or to the left of it. So reading left to right. Um, other than that, it works how you would expect it to. Something that is nice um, about interface forms versus the old form views, um, while you could pre-fill a um, Airtable form view, and you can also pre-fill an interface form, Um, you can set default values for interface forms. Um, And um, I think that's just really nice for a lot of different um, fields. For instance, for selects, I can say by default select these two options and don't allow them to um, edit it. So a use case that comes up a lot is you're submitting a form and once it's submitted, it might have a status field and that status might go under review, reviewed, approved or something like that, where you want it to always come in after submission as under review. Um, or submitted or something like that, but you don't want the end user to be able to change that, you would probably put that in the URL as like a hidden field parameter, or you would not have it on on the form at all and have an automation do the cleanup afterward. This kind of allows you to show it to your users um, while still not letting them change the value. So um, I kind of like that as an option to have. And previously on interface type forms, um, you couldn't do this with uh, select options. You couldn't have them in the um, uh, radio or checkbox um, orientation, but they have added that with the um, recent update. Um, All fields can have helper text, including uh, much like with detail pages, the whole group itself. Can have its own descriptions. You can add much more context to your forms, and these are rich text, so you can have links and bullet points and things like that. You cannot add buttons um, to uh, groups like you can in detail pages. Um, that kind of makes sense to me, um, but you know, I could see maybe wanting to have a button that opens a link, for instance. Um, you can't do that on an interface form. Uh, the most you know, critical missing feature that I've found when you're comparing form views to interface forms is the submission options. So right now, um, I can really only say, um, you know, either show them like nothing, just the, the thank you message, or like have the form reset itself um, or let the user reset the form so they could submit another one. You don't have the option to redirect the user to an interface after it's been created um, or to any URL after the form has been submitted. I think that's pretty critical, um, especially since this is in the interface environment, right? If I expand this out, this is where I would go to add and edit the form. Um, One of the things I'm using forms in my day-to-day is just to redirect somebody to the appropriate interface when they're done. And you can't do that with these forms. So I really hope they add that. Other than that, it's a pretty one-to-one translation uh, with, you know, Exceptions for styling, for instance, it's wider than it was before. Um, and you can have side-by-side fields um, as well as like grouped sections of fields as well.
3: They're also missing the automatic email feature, So you have to rebuild that yourself in an automation.
4: Yes. So Scott, you're referring to at the bottom, email me. Um, and this email is always going to be your email. Um if you're logged into AirTable and you're editing this form, this option is gonna change for each person who looks at it. Um, and then secondarily, um, I think allow users to request a copy. I don't know if that's in there either.
1: I think they said those are, what do they call them? Fast follow features. So
4: that's get get that's good. Um, <laughs> they are useful. Um, the prerequisite for that is here. Uh, see who submitted a response, meaning you have to be signed into Airtable. That is a requirement for being able to send the end user a copy of their responses. So, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they added it. Uh, certainly by the end of the year, but I don't know if I've seen mention. I might have missed it. The redirect after submission. That's that's at least important to one of my workflows.
2: Mm-hmm. What, a,
1: what about, um, can you pre-fill via URL? You can. Really?
4: Um, so what, about,
1: what about hiding via URL?
4: I haven't tested hiding. Um, may, I might be able to do that off screen, but you can definitely pre-fill uh, interface forms. Uh, I had trouble pre-filling linked records for a while, um, but it was... it it felt localized because other people were able to do it. Um, So, you know, it might've just been maybe a bug on my end or I was doing it improperly. Um, But pre-filling interface forms using record IDs for linked records or linked record names or for select options, comma separated values or comma separated IDs of the select choices should all work in addition to, you know, normal select uh, text fields that should all work. I don't think you can pre-fill an attachment field.
3: Can you, you said that you could set in the right margin, you could set defaults for some of the fields. Does that, yes. does that work for all fields including single line text fields as well? Oh yeah, cool. Yeah,
4: so this is a single line text field. So if I wanted to add like sample developer, you could do that. Um, And something that's uh, really useful and wasn't present, I don't think, in, I don't have a date field, but I'll create a date field using this pop-up. So really quickly, I just wanted to show when you add a default for a date field, You can set it to the current day. So that's just nice. So obviously you'll have a created by field that you can add really easily. But a lot of the times you want to be able to modify that field, especially if you're importing a bunch of old records, just being able to do this um, and saying, no, you can't edit it. You know, it will come in with today's date and you don't have to have an automation come back and clean that up for you.
3: Nice. Nice.
1: What about, and they don't have, I guess if you wanted to insert just text, you could create a new section and use the title and helper.
4: Yes. So for instance, this is a separate group. This um, images one is kind of down by itself because I didn't want the background. If I added a description on top and uh, gave it its own large heading and said, here's some info. Um, something that annoys me and this is petty but if I add a group title it's smaller than the maximum exactly. heading for descriptions mm-hmm. um, I get it I think this is too large for most heading titles but it is I do think it's it's a little odd that that's possible <laughs> <laughs> that I get funny. it I get it I get it but it is I, I yeah. thought that was funny but yeah you can um, you don't have to have fields inside sections. So I could have this just floating here, um, you know, without the title and just say, here's some, some text." So like before the submit button, you may, you may want something like this. Like now you're ready to submit the form and here's some extra info about what will happen when you submit the form, because um, this box is really small for like your thank you message. Mm-hmm. So maybe that goes on the form itself. Although what, might be nice to see in the future is, um, you know, already, you know, give me a place where I can redirect them to a different page. But maybe there's like a separate interface type page that you can design that has stuff like this about like, here's our process and thank you for submitting and you should expect to hear us follow up with you in X amount of days and click this link for more info and that kind of stuff that you might not want on the form might want on the next page. Mm -hmm. And before I forget publishing um, or rather sharing forms is a little bit different um, because there's some slightly new options that are, um, I found a little bit confusing at first. So um, anyone on the web is just like anyone who has the URL can fill out the form um, and if you have the option enabled, they have to log in in order to submit it. Otherwise, literally anyone um, can fill it out. Same with uh, view. Anyone at your organization, it's an enterprise level feature. So you have a set number of users um, or set users in your enterprise instance um, who may or may not all have the same uh, email domain as you that's pretty useful if you're in a large organization. Anyone at a particular domain, I think that's also present for um, other types of view sharing in Airtable and only users with base access. Why I find that confusing is because for interfaces, you can have access to the interface and not the base. But if you have access to the base, you have access to all interfaces. And this option here, I find confusing because if you only have interface access, does that mean you can't use the form? No. So, I, I I just feel like maybe maybe this is good to be its own option, but maybe they need another one that's like only users with interface access because that is a uh, that is likely a smaller subset. So nice. I just wanted to highlight that. But you can. I wonder,
3: I wonder if they meant only users with base or interface access. I wonder if that's what they meant there.
4: I would I would argue that this should say interface access because if you yeah. a- have access to the yeah. base, you do have yeah. access to the interface. You must have access to the interface. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just I find that confusing. Very
3: um, very confusing.
4: Yeah. And there was a question about prefilling interface um forms. You can prefill and it it follows the the same uh parameters. So, um, in the same uh, syntax that you would use to prefill a, a regular form view, you would use that here. Of course, your prefix would be would be different, um, but it's the same, like question mark underscore um, development underscore question, question mark or like pre-fill form, or you know,
1: awesome very good stuff exciting more to come hopefully but yeah this this is kind of the future of forms if it works for you i'd probably say start using the new interface forms um, unless you need the features that aren't there yet yeah all right quick shout out join our community at builtonair.com slash join that will get you into our slack group of thousands of airtable fans and users that you can interact with on a daily basis all things air table related so join us at builtonair.com and our final segment scott's going to walk through global fields
3: if you want to share your screen and there we go all right so we're going to go back to basics uh and we're going to talk about
4: how
3: <laughs> basics who was scripts that exactly? We're not going to show scripts in this segment. The, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about global fields. What are global fields? If you come from other database languages, a global field is a value that you can access from anywhere else in your entire system. Uh, it's not necessarily attached to a particular record. So what are some good examples of global fields? Um, something like a company logo. If you're printing out a document, no matter what part of your system you're printing out a document from, you may always want your company logo always to be at the top of the document. Or another thing, uh, like your company return address. That may need to be on every single thing that you do in your system. Um, you know, Terms and conditions. If you have a customer that is signing up, the terms and conditions that they have to agree to is probably the same for every single customer. So those are those are three examples of things that no matter where you are in your system, no matter what tab you're on, no matter what you're using, those things are consistent. And that's what they mean by the term global fields or global variables they also use. And so this question actually came up in the Airtable community where somebody was trying to create terms and conditions for their customers. They were trying to send out automated emails from Airtable, and they always wanted that email to go out with their standard terms and conditions. But the problem was they were getting sick of creating an attachment field and pasting in the terms and conditions every single time for those emails that were going out. And so There's actually a couple different ways to solve it depending on whether you're using attachment fields or not. But the typical way to set up global fields in in Airtable is creating a whole separate tab in your system. And I usually call it the admin tab. And what you can do is for each record in your admin tab, you can create a record for the one thing that you are considering to be global for your entire base. So here... I have the name of this record is company address. So here's the company address that we could use as a global field. This one is the company logo. So here's our company logo. If we want this to be attached at the, you know, at the top of any documents or whatever. And then here are those terms and conditions. Here's a PDF file of a contract uh, that we would attach to our automations. So the way that you would access these though is Maybe a little bit un- unintuitive uh, if you're using attachment fields. Because what you might think is, here's an automation and that I've created here. And we have a brand new customer that's created. And we know that we want to send an email to the new customer. And we know that as an attachment to that customer, we know that we actually want to attach these terms and conditions right here. So what you would think is, oh, okay, well that would be easy enough for me to do, right? Because what I can do is I can, uh, when the rest, when the when the customer is created, I can find records in that admin table, and I could search for the record where the name contains terms and conditions, and so, and then so then if I find that record you know, as part of this automation. Then what I can do is I can insert what it found into the email. But the thing is, Airtable will not let you do that. Airtable will not let you attach the result of a find record step as an attachment. You can see that these are all dimmed. So, oh, this is the result of me testing that original, uh, that, that other step there. So you can notice that all your different options here are dimmed. So you don't have the ability—the ability to search for an attachment in another table and then insert it into anywhere in your automation. Now, it actually does work if you're searching for something like text. So you know, if you're just looking for the company address, it'll let you insert it as a list or as a grid. You know, it'd be a list of one or a grid of one because that's the result of the find records. So. You could sort of do it with text, but you definitely can't do it with attachments. So how would you do this? And Jen, you're going to appreciate this because we're not using a third-party app to do this. We're doing this all within Airtable. (laughs) (laughs) Me. So basically, it's a very simple trick. Basically, what you have to do is leverage lookup fields. So what you would want to do is you'd want to create a brand new linked record field here. And you would link to that admin table and uh i'm just going to allow linking to one record at a time here and what you would do is you would actually link every single one of your records to the exact same record from your admin table so that's sort of the downside right the downside is that every single record needs to be linked to the appropriate record in your admin table. But that's very easy to manage because you can set up an automation to whenever a new record is created in your system, that it automatically sets this as the default. Or if you're using a form for your new record creations, you saw it today from Camille's presentation that you can set defaults. Uh, you could do it through a URL link. Um, I'm assuming that linked record fields we could set as well. Yes. Nice. And then, very, very simply, all you have to do is add a lookup field for the attachment. And now, so as long as this field right here is automated, you could just hide this field altogether. And now, every single record in your system has our terms and conditions as part of their record. And now, when you go back in your automations and you go to send the email, you can... And I might have to refresh this. You can bring in the attachment right there. And so that's how you would do it. And you could use that in a variety of different ways. But the trick is really just a linked record field and then leveraging lookup fields. And that's it. So, do you have an automation to auto link? Oh, I actually did not set up uh, an automation auto link for this particular demo. But what I would do is, you know, set up an automation, you know, new customer created. And then you can actually say, uh, you know, when a form is submitted or when a record is created in that particular customer's, you know, in the customer's table. Then your next step right here. Would be update record. And so you would choose the record that was just created. And then what you, oops, I didn't choose the table. So you choose the table, the record that was just created. And then you would go in here to the admin linked record field. And this is where you would choose. Oh, you know, you wouldn't actually choose anything, you would actually type it in here. What did I call that? Terms and conditions with an ampersand? Yep. So what I would do is I would come in here and I would type in terms and conditions like that. And I'll just generate a preview here. And so then I'm gonna turn on this automation. And now it's turned on. And so now I'll go back to the customers table here and I'll unhide that field. And now I'm just gonna create a new record right here. And we have a new customer. And in a few moments, you will see that it will autofill here with linking to the terms and conditions. There it is. Here's our attachment. And what you'll probably wanna do is you probably wanna create different linked record fields for each uh, thing that you want. So I wouldn't actually call this admin. I would actually call this, you know, terms and conditions link. Because I want just this one thing to be over here as the uh, you know as the as the attachment. right um, you,
4: you don't want it to accidentally send the company logo, for instance, because the the automation won't be able to tell which lookup right to to put in that exactly could you, exactly.
2: Could you put everything in one entry in one um, record and admin and look up with like, the terms and condition field. That,
3: or the, yes, the logo field and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I remember yeah. in the old days, you know, back in my day, you would have your your admin table would have one record in right. it. The the name would be a single period or an asterisk, and you would just have a bunch of fields that would be like, as Jen said, instead of saying text, the the name of the field would be company address. And then you'd have separate attachment fields for each type of attachment. That's another way to do it. Um, that correct. And yeah, the mild suggestion just in the customers table um, for those linked records, what I might do is I might turn off um, in your oh, uh there. field permissions, I might say no one can edit except for automations. So mm-hmm. you don't accidentally unlink it once it's there.
3: Great, great, great. Yep. That is yeah, just nobody can edit this except this field can be modified by automations. Yeah, great idea. Great idea. And yes, that's also the other another great idea too. You could just have one record here, and every one of these different things could be in a different field. So this would be the so you could call this the company logo field, and then you would look that up. And then you would you could have another attachment field here, just like you guys were saying, that this would be the terms and conditions field. So multiple different ways of yep of handling this basically yeah yeah great input well, the crazy thing is why you can't use
1: a, the results from a from a lookup from a search that yeah is
4: weird. I, I did not know that was a I limitation did,
1: i didn't know that either
2: i know isn't that weird, weird. it is weird i yeah. think it's because it's an array versus even if it's just one record so it just treats arrays
4: differently which
1: array it'd be an array of an array yeah
4: but Airtable, table figure it out <laughs> right. figure it out Airtable. table
3: i know
2: right well, how we also like try to get the id like the image url even though it's like it's weird like they stop letting you get the image url so you can't just put image source you have to put the attachment which is also yeah. annoying
4: and I know we're at the end really quickly just because it, I was reminded in automations, the trigger, when a form is submitted, that includes the new interface forms. So you can use oh. that or form views that's already been uh, brought into parity.
1: Cool. cool. Very nice. awesome, Awesome. Thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week and see you then. Take care.
2: Thanks. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor Onto Air Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air Podcast.